Good afternoon. <clears throat> Following up uh, Professor Kissy's words, I am a Jew, I admit, and uh, my parents were survivors, and my grandparents and my uncle and aunt were murdered in uh, Auschwitz. Uh, but I must say I'm also a historian, so I'm not trying to approach the Holocaust only through the angle of uh, memory and survival, but to understand. Because I would say the, the Holocaust uh, is a kind of enigma, and that's the reason also why so many scholars are attracted to it. And more and more over the years, when I entered this field in the mid-1970s, I didn't expect so many scholars and others being interested in uh, this topic. Now, I would like to relate, in short, to, <coughs> to the terminology. We use both the word uh, and the term genocide and the term holocaust. The term genocide was coined, as we all know, by Raphael Lemkin and, and uh, published in his book in uh, 1944, Exodus in uh, Occupied Europe. Uh, and he tried to cope with what he understood at the moment as uh, happening and of also relating to uh, past events of uh, mass killings, uh, especially the Ar Armenian case. But the term Holocaust is a, a Greek uh, term from, ancient, uh, from an ancient period, meaning an entirely burned sacrifice. And it comes into use only towards the end of the 1950s because at that moment in research, and I want to emphasize the contribution of scholarship to our understanding, that uh, scholars, and especially German scholars, during the 1950s, uh, gradually came to a conclusion that every aspect of the Nazi regime, be it foreign affairs, or social affairs, or education, was tainted with anti-Semitism and that the Jews stood at the center of the Nazi worldview. Now, the Nazi worldview, and we have to emphasize that, was in a way not only unprecedented, but different that, uh, from things that we experience in, in genocide. And that is that Nazism wanted to restructure the entire world on the basis of the principle of racism. It was not only, only among brackets, of fighting with another nation, with another group, but it was restructuring the world, and therefore there were many victims of Nazism, not only the Jews. The case of the Jews is uh, specific and peculiar and perhaps different to a, to a large extent because the Jews were not seen as a nation in the terms of that period, but as carriers of evil. For an historian, it is so weird, interesting to see that the Nazi regime existed only 12 years. It's a very short period of time. And yet, it caused an enormous upheaval in the world. And it carried out the Holocaust. How could this be done? In the beginning of research, it was 
the idea that that was the result of the efficient bureaucracy of Nazi Germany. But I know many of the people sitting here are bureaucrats, and they know that bureaucracy is not always so efficient. It takes time to get through the papers, to convey the orders, and then many people are very lax in implementing it. So something different happened here, and research has shown this in recent years, that there was an enormous creativity in the Nazi regime. The Nazi regime allowed for a maneuvering space, and this made Hitler's vague vision, because he didn't know exactly what he wanted, how he wanted to exercise the Jews, but he wanted to get rid of them. He said it already in his first political statement in 1919, total removal of the Jews, but how to do it he didn't know. And he let it do, he let others do it. And they did so because of two very important things. First of all, the regime allowed for social mobility. People who adhered to the system, who were efficient, were promoted. And it broke social strata of German society. So from this we can learn when a regime opens the way and allows people to go forward, to benefit from the system, they will do a lot. They will do a lot even if they were educated in a, uh, in a liberal way, or in a socialist way, <coughs> or in a religious way, because benefits are very attractive. Now, one example which is perhaps illuminating um, in, a, in a study by the well-known late scholar Raoul Hilberg, who wrote one of the most important books on the Holocaust, he published a study in the 1970s about uh, the complicity of the German railways. And he found in the negotiations between the SS, the, the organization which was uh, in charge of executing the final solution, and they, wanted, and they wanted to send people from all over Europe in trains to the death camps. They had to pay for it. And they didn't have enough money. So the people of the railways proposed to the SS, we'll give you a discount if you put 1,000 people into the train instead of 700. This was not ordered from above. This was not something which had to be done. But this was creativity. This was done from below. And this was the support of the people from below. This was the interaction with the regime from <coughs> above. Now, the other thing is that these ras grassroots initiatives, as I said, uh, could allow for benefits. And one of the important things, uh, important examples to show is Adolf Eichmann, whose name is uh, hopefully well known, one of the main executors of the final solution. When we look upon his career, when he started with his activities in this field of deportation in 1938, he came to Austria short after the, shortly after the annexation. And where is his first bureau? Where is his first office? In the residence, in the palace of the Rothschilds. 
and later on, even towards the end of World War II, in 1944, when it comes to Hungary to deport the Hungarian Jews and succeeds in, doing, in sending about 400,000 Jews within several weeks, where is his office? His office is in the most, uh, in the best hotel in Budapest. So we see people who benefit from the system, people who can, who uh, climb the social ladder upwards, and therefore, uh, in perpetration of genocides, in perpetration of mass killings, in perpetration of atrocities, it is very important to pay attention to this aspect in which regimes allow, uh, allow or give the opportunity to people from the lower echelons, or from the middle echelons, to make progress. We therefore have to educate already beforehand. We have to keep an open eye to what is, happen, what, what is happening in those societies, and perhaps with that, we can learn something and prevent something for the future. Thank you very much.